Kyle FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, good morning and welcome to this slow, and I'm going to speak really slowly day. Slow day here in uh, at High FM. There's no one here. But in the studio, I've got a really keen fella. I didn't even get his name, so here we go. Let me intru- well, let him introduce himself. I mean, if whoever was listening to the last show, it's the same American voice that you heard. I think my audience is somewhat different, hopefully. Oh, well, you never know. And anyway. Helen Holden with grandson, Andrew Holden Oh, you know, great. From great. All the way from Miami, Florida. Brilliant. And for some reason, he enjoys tech, so he decided just to not leave the studio and join in. So we'll have him chirping and chipping in every now and then whenever it's particularly relevant. But being Women's Day, I actually attended quite a few things in the last week regarding, you know, women empowerment and women in tech. And it's a huge movement. Things have really come a long way from the good old days where women were not seen as particularly active in the tech environment. But that's changed Dramatically, and I, I also attended a fascinating um, event. Call it what you will. Yesterday, um, and the guest speaker was a gentleman by the name of Jack Ma. Now, for you, for those of you, perhaps, well, look, a lot of people. Everyone's heard of Amazon, but not everyone's heard of Alibaba. Now, Alibaba is bigger than Amazon, much bigger than Amazon globally. Um, even though their base is in China and started 19 years ago in an apartment by Jack Ma and a few of his friends. And it was just fascinating to hear what he had to say. We'll chat a little bit about that a little later. But in the news, this was a, an interesting week for other reasons. Um, Samsung Pay has hit the streets. Finally, we get some sort of cool technological payment mechanisms which have long been alive in other countries around the world. But Samsung Pay is going live in South Africa as we speak. I was fortunate enough to be an early uh, beta tester, if you want to call it that, spending my own money. I wish they'd given me money to spend, but they didn't. They said, take your credit card, go and try Samsung Pay. So I loaded it up on my Galaxy S8, um, and I tried a Galaxy S9, uh, and it worked perfectly. And um, essentially what Samsung Pay is, is the ability to use your phone to make payments with a credit card. Right now, for the beta test, it has to be an ABSA credit card. Standard Bank are joining at the end of August, and perhaps, perhaps FNB will join, but I'm not so sure about that. They've got their own systems and their own payment on a phone systems. But essentially, what Samsung Pay does, it allows your phone to be used as a payment mechanism. So you can run out of the house, you can forget your credit card, and with a simple swipe up of your um of your thumb, then you authenticate with a pin or, or your iris, depending on the phone, and away you go. You can then use your card and your phone to pay. Now, a lot of people have asked me, is it safe? And very simply, what Samsung have done, the app that you download on the phone, which makes it really slick and easy, is very simple. What it does, it takes your card and creates a virtual card. So if I have a look, I've got a number on this card on my phone, which is not the same number as my actual physical card. And Samsung also does something really, really interesting. Unlike Apple Pay and unlike a couple of the others out there which use NFC, which is near-field technology, in other words, you've got to have that little chip on your phone or chip on your card, and the receiving device, in other words, the credit card machine, also needs to be um, a chip-enabled device, and then it all works tap to pay and off you go. Well, this is actually a lot smarter than that. Uh, Samsung Pay works on any credit card machine. So if you've got an old credit card machine that you've got to swipe the magnetic card, Samsung Pay works. It does this by using an emulation of the swipe card system. So all you need to do is take, open up your, your app, uh, load the card, and touch your phone to the side of the credit card machine, which is a magnetic credit card machine, and... Bam, it works. I <laughs> Many restaurants this week I've driven mad. I told them to bring the credit card machine, and they stand there looking at me, and they say, um, we need your card. I said, no, you don't. I've got my card. There it is. They said, no, we don't accept that. This is an old machine. I said, just put your machine on the table. Then touch it to the side, and off you go. It pays. So it's coming. It's new. If you've got a Samsung phone, an S from the S6 up to the S um S9, and guess what's launching today? This evening, in fact, globally, the big event in New York is the Galaxy Note 9. That will also work on um, Samsung Pay and the A-Series. 
So those, all the A series, it's quite interesting. Series, Siri just hears series <laughs> as Siri. So anyway, my Siri is busy talking to me. <laughs> the joys of technology. <laughs> anyway, so if you have any one of these phones, you can actually add an Absa card. You can actually apply, download the app on your phone, uh, install it. It will then ask you to apply for a beta or a trial uh, account. You'll get an email within a few seconds. It's pretty organized. And you can try um, Samsung Pay yourself. And it really has been handy. I ran out to gym the other day. Guess what I get? On my way home, I get a phone call. Hi, would you mind going past the shops and buying XYZ? I said, I haven't got my wallet. And then I realized, oh, yeah, I do. I got my wallet. And off I went and did the shopping. And it was pretty slick. Pretty easy, except for one thing. Woolworths do not accept it right now. So <laughs> it tells me declined. But anyway, that's they, um, Samsung. I reported it to Samsung, and Samsung said they will be talking to Woolworths to try to fix that up in the meanwhile. So the future is here. You don't even need a credit card anymore. It's all on your phone. Your phone's getting more and more useful. And um, I think it's it's smart, it's slick, and the best part the, the clever trick and the unique trick of Samsung Pay is that you don't need a tap-to-pay card. You can touch anywhere, anything. It's just slick and easy and way to go. Now, another interesting story that crossed my desk this week is our dear ex, well, he's not so South African anymore. He's fully American, even sounds sort of transatlantic. Elon Musk has decided to take, um, well, maybe, it's not guaranteed, but he is trying to take Tesla private, which is quite an interesting uh, event. He caused major havoc in his uh, recent uh, uh, engagement with the, the press. He told them not to be stupid, and he got into serious, serious nonsense. But anyway, via Twitter, as usual, because that's how you announce these big things, he decided to tell um, his investors that he is going to take Tesla private, and the, the the stock price went mad, and then they had to halt trading until he got there. But he's not quite as dilly as he would seem. The the constraints of trading a public company are just huge, and I think in many ways for the type of stuff that he does, the crazy things that this man gets up to, you know, the hyperloop, and he wants to go to space, and he wants to change roofs, and all the crazy stuff that he does – and the nature of his business, pretty much like Amazon. Amazon didn't make profit for 10 years. They just burnt investors' money. Crazy business. But anyway, so his shares have been halted for now, and uh, who knows what's going to happen. So stay tuned. Uh, unfortunately, very few of us had shares in Tesla. But anyway, apart from that, um, let's see what they come up with. And I think we have to take a quick break for a little bit of commercials, and then we'll be back with some more news and views and who knows what else will come up today? Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, then don't. Okay, well, welcome back. <laughs> We're having interesting chats about using drones to chase things down the road. I think I need one to follow each one of my kids because I've got a whole host of them floating around. <laughs> we can follow them with drones. Bit creepy, but let's not go there for now. It's helicopter uh, parenting. <laughs> literally, <laughs> drone parenting. Where are you going? Hmm, we watching in 4K. <laughs> Where to go. But anyway, drones are, are an interesting hugely interesting area and they've really changed so many things i mean we're talking about agriculture we're talking about game we're talking about just simple things like how do you know what's going on in your, on your building you normally send a guy up to the top and he goes wandering around or he checks out leaks here you just send up a drone high definition camera mm-hmm. can check out the roof you can check out air conditioning plants they all sorts of things so drones and in South Africa, I do know there are a lot of professional guys doing drones and using drones for lots of good things. And certainly, um, let's not talk about what happened in South America with drones recently. There was a drone attack in, really? in um, was it Colombia? No, not Colombia, Argentina. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And that was not good stuff. But uh, you can carry all sorts of things with drones. But then, look, back to some little bit less exciting news. <laughs> 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 MTN, one of the big operators in South Africa, released their results uh, yesterday at a presentation, and it was really quite interesting for lots of in, lots of good reasons. One, MTN are number two in South Africa, but their their big um, 
sort of footprint extends all the way from Iran, which is a very interesting story right now. They're the biggest mobile operator in Iran, all the way down to South Africa. And one of their biggest areas are Nigeria and Kenya. So, not Kenya, sorry. Um, I've gone completely blank. But anyway, Nigeria is one of the biggest. And the very simple bottom line from the whole thing, despite a really upbeat presentation, is that MTN are treading water. Same as Vodacom, the market's mature in South Africa. Although they continually continue to say that the mobile market in Africa is still tiny, it's only got 30% smartphone penetration. Um, there are well over a billion people in Africa, only 600, 700 million f- connections, of which only 200 million are smartphones. But what that hides, and this is where it gets really you know, somewhat interesting, is that South Africa has got now 50, 55, nearly 60% smartphone penetration. The rest of Africa is sitting at somewhere in the region of 20, 25% smartphone penetration, and it's slowing down. Like most of the world, smartphone penetration is slowing down because everyone has one, and that's exactly the problem. What they were disclosing is that their average revenue per user in the prepaid and even not so much the postpaid, but in the prepaid market in Africa, is somewhere in the region of 3 to $4 per person per month. Now, compared to Africa, or South Africa, where we're talking about somewhere in the region of 10 to $15 per user per month, and the U.S. and Europe, where you're talking between 15 and $25 per month per user, $4 a month is not a lot of money to make, uh, to make a company. And when they add 3G or 4G or or at least a smartphone, they managed to get an extra dollar per user. Now, that's still not enough to create um, massive growth. So, simply put, MTN's growth was there. They made 6% growth over the period. Their share price did not respond well to this. But what actually knocked them was Iran. As of yesterday, America has reimposed sanctions on Iran. So, MTN cannot repatriate any money out of Iran. <laughs> they managed last year to bring five billion U.S. dollars out, but uh, that was that. Now they are locked back into Iran, and uh, for many reasons, a lot of companies cannot do business in Iran. China's not terribly worried about that. Luckily, they use, I think, a lot of Huawei equipment. But simple fact, it's going to create a lot of trouble for um MTN at the moment, though they did. It's not all bad news. They did say that their dividend for this year, so all you MTN shareholders out there, their dividends for this year will be the same as they were last year, and they do guarantee them because they've ring-fenced the Holy Ran operation and uh, kept them out of out of the dividends for this year. So not great results, but a couple of really interesting things. One, if you're an MTN subscriber, their, their um, user rating has gone up significantly. They've done a lot of work, spent 30 billion rand on network, improved 4G. They've now got 85% 4G coverage in South Africa. And 3G, they've now got 98% coverage of 3G. Again, compared to Africa, where you're starting to talk about uh, 2G coverage, not even reaching 50% of the population, and 4G coverage in major cities only, South Africa is a pretty unique place. Between MTN and Vodacom, around about 90, 95% of the country is covered with at least 3G, up to 98% of the population. And uh, 4G is now hitting 80, 85%. So let's see where it's going. He also made one interesting comment, which I think um, is going to be a, a challenge for Africa, that 5G is not coming anytime soon. No, no, LTE is 4G. Okay. 4G is LTE and LTE Plus and all sorts of other things. But 5G is the next generation of um, of mobile. And what it offers, apart from massive speed, up to a gigabit per second over the air. So speed is incredible. It also offers what's called spectral efficiency. So in other words, in the same frequencies that you run 4G or 2G or 3G, you can get um, an order of magnitude more subscribers. So if you could get a 1,000 subscribers on a tower on 4G, you can get a 100,000 subscribers on that same tower with much higher speeds on 5G. So it is a much more advanced system. And, again, you may have heard of this IoT thing that I keep talking about. It's part of the whole evolution of machine-to-machine, cars talking to machines. And it was so interesting. I went straight from the MTN presentation to a long chat to a company called Ericsson. Now, Ericsson are the people who make 
cell phone networks. They're very active in Africa. Obviously, along with Huawei and Nokia, who are the other guys, they're the guys pushing to get the whole new 5G thing rolling out. And they agree that, unfortunately, because of what's going on in Africa right now, 5G may not be a thing. But in order to move into the next so-called fourth industrial revolution, you're going to need 5G. There are no 5G handsets. That's exactly uh, what the guys at MTN said. But right now in the U.S., about five major cities have 5G coverage already using a dongle, you know, one of these little sort of Wi-Fi type dongle type things with offering up to a gigabyte per second uh Speeds And by next year, I can promise by April, May next year, there will be three or four major phones available that can ha- take take uh, control or use 5G. can't believe we're getting phone people coming in on a, on a public holiday. So we are going to see 5G in Africa, certainly in South Africa going forward, but very specific type uh, operations. And both MTN and Vodacom, who both, you know, both results were, were good but certainly not uh, brilliant, are, are shying away from this latest technology for lots and lots of good reasons. So <clears throat> watch the space. Who knows what's coming? But I can tell you now that 5G globally rolling out in the Middle East. It's rolling out in Europe. It's starting to come in Korea. It was live. Well, the United, oh. yeah, yeah, carry on. No, the United States, I have never heard anything about this. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Well, let's put it this way. Um, T-Mobile have just signed a deal with Nokia, $3.5 billion, to start rolling out 5G from this year. On Nokia phones? No, no, not, it's, not a, it's not a phone technology yet. Mm. It's, a, it's a technology that will run on top of the current LTE networks uh, in, 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 in pretty much any city. But what it actually does, and this is what a lot of people don't seem to get, people think 5G is better than 4G. Well, it is, but it's an evolution of the technology. So what it will allow apart from thousands more users on the network, it will allow much greater throughput. So as your fridge and your freezer and your microphone and the traffic light and your car and absolutely everything that you own starts talking to the network, the number of connections will rise exponentially. They're talking somewhere between 20 and 50 billion connections by 2025, all connecting wirelessly to a network. Now, the current 4G, 3G networks, if you tried that, they would slow down to an absolute crawl. You wouldn't be able to connect anything. You'd get no signal anywhere. It would be a complete disaster. So what the 5G technology does, it uses the frequencies in the air much more efficiently, number one. Mm -hmm. And number two, it can combine multiple frequencies. So right now, your cell phone works on 1800 2300, 900, these are frequencies that people talk about, and it tends to connect to a tower using just that frequency. With 5G, you're getting your phone connecting at 900, 700, 1800, 2600, and even 5800. All at the same time? All at the same time. It then joins all those connections together and gives you orders of magnitude higher speed. So, Depending on what frequency is available, it can pick the fastest frequencies. It can find empty frequencies. In fact, 5G can use Wi-Fi if it needs to at the same time as it's using cellular. So it's, it's, it's a, a real significant step in how technology works. And they also have a specification for IoT devices. So, for example, if you've got a little... I don't know, your dog's got a little chip on its collar and it's running around and you want to know where the chip, where the dog is, it sends so little information, there's a special carrier frequency for that. So you don't need to, you're certainly not even getting 4K video, though it's entirely possible. You can have your dog collar with a camera (laughs) and watch what your dog's doing. So there is just so much coming in the way of, of the Internet of Connected Stuff over the little while. And because of that, the current technologies are just not designed for that scale. And that is where the biggest use of 5G will be. So we'll come back with a little bit more uh, in a few minutes. I can see we're running out of time. When you start talking tech with me, you can see time flies because there are just so many things to talk about. So we'll be back straight after this with a a really interesting interview I had with someone called Mteto Nyati. He is the head of Eltron. And Mteto uh, used to be the head of MTN, funnily enough. And I went from one meeting at MTN to another meeting with him. So he is now heading up a company called Eltron, big South African technology company. 
and fascinating what he's done. But we'll be back straight after this, and uh, we can listen to what Mteto has to say. Hi FM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Well, welcome back. And as I was saying, I'm just trying to queue up because my usual technical team, being a public holiday, is not here. I normally send them the recordings. They fix them up, make them sound all professional. Um, and uh, it did not happen today. So I have the recording of Mteto Nyati. Thank goodness for the cloud. Had it in Dropbox. Great internet here. Downloaded it. And off we go. But just to give you a little bit of background, Mteto Nyati is a really interesting gentleman. He's been in technology in this country for many, many years. He started his life at IBM. He rose to be the head of IBM South Africa. He then moved across to Microsoft and headed up Microsoft South Africa for many years, did some really interesting things. He was part of the whole transition of Microsoft from being a really not cool company into one of the coolest companies in the world, cloud computing, you know, so many new things going on. He then left them to head up MTN South Africa, and he was instrumental in cleaning up and improving the way that MTN worked with people. Um, they had a bit of a bad reputation for customer service. They were seen as a little bit aloof and, and not the coolest company around. He had a massive impact there, and he was headhunted to head up Altron. Altron was a family-owned technology company in South Africa and had grown to be quite the corporate massive company. And um, Teto came in, and along with the board, they've completely re-engineered the company. They've moved out of heavy engineering. There's so many changes that have happened. And it's fascinating to understand what they do and why they do what they do. And they've got a deep, deep, deep insight into what is going on in South Africa. And amongst all the doom and gloom out there, he's got a really positive message of change, of how things are moving, how things are happening. And um, just listen, I think you'll be really interested in some of the information that he has. And please, I apologize for this clip up front. Unfortunately, as I said, our technical team, who makes me sound much more professional than I am, is not here today. So listen in to Mteto Nyati. He is the uh, Group Chief Executive of Altron. And, um, you know, let's let's just see what we can learn from this. You yeah. can't buy strategy. Yes. Well, you can, but... Yes. Uh, after joining uh, from, my, from MTN... And it has been an interesting journey uh, because we had to do two things at the same time. Try to reposition the business for growth, but at the same time exiting the areas of business that were pulling the company uh, backwards. So you were trying to shrink and grow at the, at same, the time, same time, yeah. which is always a challenge. Yeah. And and you also find that uh, the, the skill set... Uh, may even in the area where you are focusing may not necessarily be the, the relevant skill set. Uh, things have changed a little bit. You may so end up some of the businesses have got skills that were relevant in the past. But when you look at the new growth areas like cloud computing, data analytics, security, and Internet of Things. So in those new areas, we find that our skill set was not necessarily uh, at the right level. So uh, a lot of to, things to be done. So what we decided to do as the new leadership team was, first, let's make sure that the size of this business, we right-size it. Mm. Uh, there's a lot level? of layers. There are on lot all of, levels. There's a lot of layers mm. in this mm. business, starting with this head office. Uh, in the past, this head office was largely a head office that was consolidating the numbers and reporting to the market. That's largely the function of the head office here. Then, uh, the, my view of the head office going forward was very much a, a team that is involved in the much running, more strategic. Yeah, running of the operations, giving direction, holding people accountable, giving uh, guidance, you know. Not that, just a, a consolidation no, engine. No, no, very much involved in each and every one of our eight operations uh, that we have there. So what we did then is to look at which functions really do we need to have here? Which functions don't we need to have at all? One, one of the functions was the strategy. We had a very big strategy team that was here. 
Uh, I personally felt that uh, strategy is something that is owned by the leadership team, not by a department. You yeah. can't buy strategy. Yes. Well, you can, but you can, uh, yeah. partly. It needs to mm. be owned by us. Otherwise, there would be this person who talks that there's a strategy, but you find that we are not leaving that strategy. There's a disconnect. So we decided to shut down that, 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 uh, that function. And there was also a function that was doing corporate finance. Uh, it again in the past when we were doing a lot of acquisitions as a group, it, it made sense to have a senior group of highly competent people and senior people, but were not necessarily relevant for the future where we were going. So we also closed that function. Uh, we also had a central sales team. That was more like a duplication of what was happening in the So every operation. company had their own sales team yes, and you had a central had sales team. another sales team, creating a lot of confusion mm. in front of the customers. We decided to close that. Uh, then the internal uh, audit function, that one is something that we felt we still needed to have internal audit. But we needed to have some element of independence. Uh, our internal auditors were, yes, of course, were employed by us, but may not have been exposed to the best practices out there. Because so they were we, too inward focused. Yes. So we decided mm. to, to outsource that to uh, Deloitte. So that is being done by Deloitte team. That, those guys have brought new good perspective, new, new ways of doing things have helped us a lot to, to try and improve and get to the level where, which work, yeah, which is in line with where we want to be as a company. So out of all of that, we ended up with uh, uh, having to take out about 50% of the people that were uh, at head office. Uh, uh, that is about 60 million rand in annum uh, savings that we uh, ended up doing. The same, at the same time, thank you. At the same time, in the operations, we had to also look at uh, which one of these operations, uh, uh, from a profitability, the, the profit margin, find that, gee, there are many, many layers. So we identified three operations that, that were key uh, to right-sizing. One is a buy-to-document solution, which is a business that, that is representing Xerox in this country. Uh, we right-sized that. We took about 20 million uh, rents of costs out of that business. And, and basically just because the corporate structure had become somewhat bloated and maybe too overstructured with time. With time, with time. And if you don't manage this thing with time, it just the headcount just keeps growing and growing and growing. And it's even uh, the way we were selling in the past we used to sell each and every one of these uh, printers, you know, to, to companies like, like um, Microsoft, MTN, whatever. But now the way we are selling those products is more uh, we're selling a service. So it's not like we're selling each individual. We go there, we sign a deal, and we provide printing solutions. Rather than just a box. Rather than a box. And, the, and it becomes more of an annuity revenue and given that, it requires less kind of people. In fact, it requires different people, kind of yeah. people. People are going to look after those things and make sure that they are, they are continuously running. Uh, so it's things like that where we have not changed the composition of our people to align with what the market was looking for. So that is what was happening there. We took out those costs. Uh, we also looked at uh, Bytes uh, document, I mean Bytes uh, systems integration. And then another unit called Bytes Universal Systems. These were businesses that were so close. When you are a customer looking at them, you would you ask yourself, what, what was doing why, what? Why would we have two these companies coming to me as separate entities? And so we decided to, to because always we're looking at what is it that the customer would, how would they want to be served? Are we, are we, structured in the way that the customer would like to come and work with us. So so based on that, we felt to combine the two, and of course we ended up taking out the duplicate uh, management structure out of that. Again, another 30 million uh, out of that business. Uh, we also 
this current financial year will be taking another another uh, 50 million out of that business uh, this is probably going to be one of the growth businesses for us but it was not structured in the right way mm. so so that's what we we, we kind of like did uh, at, at that level to try and reduce the cost not just head office right across the business mm. uh, so that's one thing we also then felt that we needed to this was a culture change. The thing that we're doing here was not just about, you know, trying to reduce costs. And we are changing the company that used to be very much a, a family-led business, uh, a company that used to be, uh, you know, technical people. They rose up to the top, and 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 ended up leading the business. Uh, there's nothing wrong with technical or engineers leading the business, but if they are inwardly focused, they're not uh, connected to the customer, you have a problem. And they may miss the, the, yes. the movement in the or market. The changes that are happening mm. in the market. So we had to, to, to look at that and say, how do we drive this thing? Plus, the, because we're acquiring these customers and, and they were operating largely as silos, and we kept them as silos, but if you look at, again, being informed by what is happening in the customers, the, the, the large customers and medium-sized customers, what we're seeing happening in the market, they are doing what is called uh, supplier consolidation. They are working with less suppliers. And broadening probably but what they need no from suppliers, them. they're asking them to do a lot mm. more. Makes sense. Yeah. So the way we're going to customers in, as individual, we're going to, we're losing out as the customers are, re, uh, are reducing their number of suppliers because we, each one of the units was not broad enough to compete with the dimension data, with the uh, business connection, you know. Uh, so we decided that structurally we have to, we have to change and uh, we came up with a concept of oh, this one Ultron. In front of the customer, we need to be one. Uh, so that's that. We also got the individual managing directors that used to be running their businesses. We brought them to be part of what we call a group executive committee. You know, now they sit in Exxon. And they get at least a view of what else is going on rather when than... When we're discussing, own. we're discussing this company, this is doing that. Oh, okay, why don't we? Because with this, you know, there's that connection that mm. is happening. We're all mm. sitting around the same table, you know. And that collaboration is happening uh, much more uh, it's, it's easier. Uh, we also came up with a set of values. Uh, values, uh, you, may, you, you heard me saying that this was to us, this was a culture change. Uh, we identified that there were certain things that, that are, we probably are good at, but there are certain areas where we need to grow, to improve as a business. For example, uh, when we did our strategy session, uh, with uh, before we did the strategy, we did a, a employee survey mm, to get a sense from all of our employees how they feel about the company, what are the things that what is it that we do well, where do we, where, what are the things that we should be improving on, get that as an input to our strategy. You know, uh, so coming out of that. They felt that we are a largely a, a, an, an ethical company, which is a good thing. But they also felt that we're not as open, you know, we're not transparent sometimes. Too hierarchical, Too perhaps. hierarchical. Uh, so, so we came up with uh, values that address both the things that we're good at, but at the same time the, the aspiration side of things. You know? uh, when you look at diversity of the company, it was uh, largely at the top, largely white male, uh, mainly over the age of 55, you know, uh, which is nothing wrong with that, but when you look at the going forward, it can pose a risk because if when these people retire, then yeah, what? Where's the, where's the yeah. next generation? Exactly. Uh, and also, th when you're looking at the view of, of what is happening in South Africa, the democracy, how our customers are they themselves changing, you may able to, you may miss some opportunities because you're only viewing things from a, 
one through a different perspective. Absolutely. So we felt that we needed to drive diversity and inclusion. Uh, collaboration across teams, another value that we brought in. Uh, we felt we were, all, we were very good as a company, we were known as a company that get things done. So we kept that as a, uh, as we put that as a value, but we tried to introduce an element of fun, you know, enjoy doing it. Mm? Uh, and then the, the last one being passionate about our own employees, customers, and partners. You know. uh, we felt as a company, as much as we're good, we're waiting for customers to come to us instead of us to go to customers. You know, we're too much in, in internally focused versus. You know. So you had to really raise the energy of the company yes, in a way. Yes. So that required <coughs> us having to take some very difficult decisions. In some cases, uh, we may, we ended up uh, with people that may have done well, they're doing well, delivering great results. But if you're looking at the values, they clearly, you know, they, they cannot. So mm. sometimes we had to make those tough calls saying, you know what, you know, we just feel that, uh, you know, thank you. But uh, when you look at where, where we're going, we do not believe, uh, you know, you are going to be able to set the kind of uh, tone that we need in terms of uh, where we're going. Uh, so, but we've kind of finished that phase now. Uh, and because each one of these companies were branded separately, they're going in the, and they were completely in conflict. But in truth, I don't think the market really saw Eltron as it, they saw it as a head office run company. Yes, exactly. And then all these other companies did exactly. what they did yes, yes. in isolation of the of group. The group yeah. So because of now that we've got this one Ultron strategy, we've also believed that there's a, a really good, uh, there's a, yeah. When you're looking at the potential of the business, it's, it's great potential if we all come together, not as one, as single entities, but branded separately. Hence, we came up with the view that we, we have to take a position around the brand and make sure that there's consistency. Let's bring Ultron right across all of our divisions. Uh, let's not remove completely uh, their individual brands. You'll still have Nesta, but Nesta as a division or a subsidiary of it's uh, Ultron, Ultron. Yeah. Yes. Nesta, not the other way around. Yes, but in that case, because it was a strong consumer brand, we actually we continue to keep Napster and and bring and bring an endorsement of 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 Ultron. Yeah, but in all of the other ones, we actually brought in Ultron and that individual brand as equals. Mm -hmm. And what do you call that? So co-branding. It's called co-branding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what we have done with the bias. You say uh, uh, Ultron. By system integration, Ultron buys people solutions. So that's, you know, that's the brand now we're going to, to the market. And, uh, we felt that it's going to be pushing, it's, it's aligning with our one Ultron strategy, it's pulling everything together. And, uh, yeah, and the customer needs to feel that they're dealing with this one entity, which is the, the, the Ultron, you know. Uh, so that is what we have done uh, from in terms of the growth areas we've identified. Because uh, that, I think, is key. I mean, now you've done a lot of work. You've yes. cleaned up the, the, yeah. the, the building. Yes. Things are aligned. Yes. So where does Eltron see the future growth coming from? Which, which areas are, are key for the company? So I would, I'm going to put uh, two groups of things. One is... The areas from a technology standpoint where we believe we need to be growing, those are the normal ones, cloud computing, uh, data analytics, security, and Internet of Things. We already have a company that is operating in the Internet of Things as in Napster. So with that, we will be building with Napster. They were there before the Internet of Things exactly, was a thing. Exactly. <laughs> so we will be expanding mm. their, their offerings to other things, you know, uh, beyond. But we already have a, a good base to be able to, to drive that. Uh, in, so so those are the areas. If you start to see us making acquisitions, those uh, are the areas the you're focusing These on. are the four areas. We're trying to close these gaps. We're trying to make sure that we are uh, leading. Uh, we have identified in the cloud computing space that uh, Microsoft and Amazon Web Services are the, are the key partners that we want to, 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 to bet on. 
and we've just bought a company called ISP, IS Partners that gives us the capability in the Microsoft space and also that company had capability in the, in the AWS as in Zeta. So, so we will continue to build our capabilities around that. And this company, IS Partners, also is very good on data in data analytics. So those are the areas where you see us uh, as we're shifting, uh, building resources, building capabilities in each and every one of our operations is going to be linked to, to that. From an impact now, the impact that we want to have in South Africa, we also identified four areas. Four areas where we feel uh, we, we are uniquely positioned to be able to do something uh, very interesting in this country. Uh, in the safety and security space, both in terms of uh, you know things like fraud, things like uh, uh, yeah, just you know the whole criminality and, for example, stolen vehicle recovery. You know that's part and parcel. It's already of, a place where you yeah, were working. Yeah, we can, yeah. If you look at our <coughs> our another business of ours called uh, Altec Radio Holdings, what they do. They enable uh, build a network for uh, a network for our of South African police service. It's a communications network. You know, help the, the police to be able to communicate uh, in a closed uh, environment. And we build and manage that network for the, for the police. Uh, we also the emergency services we build and manage them. It's called Tetra Networks for emergency services. So if you look at all of these capabilities that we have in, this, in these areas, we feel that collectively as a company we are occupying a very, very key uh, space in the safety, security and safety. Uh, we also, if you look at uh, uh, social grants, uh, go to uh, the banks when it comes to biometric uh, technologies that they use, they, they buy them from us and, uh, because of some of the uniquenesses that we have uh, linked to the ability to read fingerprints even if they are not you know, not proper, proper mm. yeah. uh, so so that's the one area. So in terms of safe, in terms of smart cities we, we say our contribution as a company to building smart cities is will be focusing on the will be focusing largely on creating safer cities. So safety and security safety within the context the of, a smart, of a smart, smart city. city. Because we are still we are the same companies that help Gauteng provincial government today roll out uh, the broadband. Uh, across all of their buildings. We are the ones who are building and managing that network for them, connecting hospitals, clinics, schools, uh, all of the government buildings. That's us, you know, here. We're doing it in the city of Tswane. We're doing it in Cape Town. We're doing it in Limpopo, you know. So, again, we can talk s a smart city without connectivity. Doesn't exist. We are the guys that are building and, and managing that base infrastructure. Uh, so when you look at all of that, so you see us very much building and forming alliances to deliver on this vision around uh, safe cities. The second area that is important for us is uh, what we call uh, healthcare management. Today, if you go to any any doctor, uh, out of I don't know, we probably have seventy percent of of our doctors using our ERP to manage their practices, uh, also to onboard you as a patient, to manage you as a patient, uh, and then communicate between the doctor and the medical aid to check whether you are indeed you and what is it that you are entitled to. Mm. Yeah, that, it often pops up yeah. as you walk in. So all of that, the, the, I, I say that the backbone of the private health care of this country it's, it's, it's us. If we were not around tomorrow as as Ultron, it would like fall. That's quite a, mm. a deep uh, sort of connection within the yes. in the economy. Very very deep, very deep. And not many people know that. If you can pull us out, that that won't function. Never the connection to the pharmacy, to the medical aid, all of that. 
is something that we have and also have that data, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Let's yeah, put that one side into your new areas yes, and yes, amazing things yes, could happen. Interesting things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so that, and then I'm, we're saying we cannot be threatened by NSI. In fact, NSI needs our capabilities, but we need to then extend what we have in the private to public. public. That already we are connecting hospitals through the other, we're connecting clinics. We just need to get two people so what, to talk to so each so other. What we're doing, oh. we're trying to get, encourage the government to do. When we when we connect that hospital, we leave behind a systems that are working in that clinic, in that hospital. You know, that is what we are trying to. We're trying to be that company that is the integration point for government because the departments themselves are not talking. Mm. So we are helping with that. Mm. So, we, so that healthcare space is something that we, we are focusing on. It's a huge growth opportunity. But not just that, we will also make a positive impact on South Africa, like we are going to be doing around crime when we're talking about safe cities. It's a huge, huge, huge impact on improving the healthcare in this country. So that's the second area. The third area, we call it financial inclusion. You may not know that uh, the micro lending space we actually helped to professionalize that space uh, we came up with systems that help those guys to to comply with the national credit act uh, and be able to also uh, assess the whoever is credit worthy yeah because it's one thing to bring it must we should not extend loans to people who should not be getting loans, you know, to be able to to identify who are the right people who you can, we've given them those systems, they are renting those systems from us uh, to manage. We also uh, helping them to collect the money from, of course, their from customers. The banks, yeah. yeah. On, a, on, a, on a monthly basis, we're doing that thing. Uh, it's called authenticated early debit order uh, that we, we, we have. So we are being prioritized by the banks. The collection rate is sitting at about 95%. Uh, it's so important what we're doing there because without us, without us collecting that money, they won't be able to <laughs> to give the money to whoever comes in. So on a monthly basis, we need to make sure that they have the, the stock to sell, if I can call it that. Mm. Uh, so, so that is an important... So what we, we've just... Tasks. We're collecting today about 1.3 billion uh, on a monthly basis. There, uh, we have still have so many of these uh, micro uh, lending businesses to to professionalize, to make them, yeah, yeah, to bring them fully bring online. Them online, yeah, so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we believe that we are performing an important function. Uh, yeah, we will continue to do that. Again, we are sitting with so much information about individuals there spending hobbies i think your best customer for data services will be yourself yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so sitting we're sitting with that there and uh, yeah because we give them cards as well you know uh, you know when when you get a loan you already come out of there we don't give you money you just mm-hmm. get your, your card which you can go out and use in, on an ATM machine because we, another business of ours is into is into those it's called new pay and, and I'm aware that, of new pay yeah. mm-hmm. so 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 that's the second the last area uh, is it's what we call skills development uh, and that's this one the company called Bites People Solutions that does the largely training of, um, of people. What we have asked them to do is instead of touching just 10,000 people a year or so, we need to find a way of scaling that business to touch as many people as possible, given the unemployment rate here, given the huge need for training as we move into the fourth industrial revolution. Or retraining in yeah, many retraining, cases. Yeah, retraining of people. So they, so we need to re- look at how, because right now the, the, the constraint is the, is the training rooms, you know, and we just cannot continue to be building, building, building this thing. So we need to be thinking digital. How do we achieve the same thing and, and do more 
yeah, with, with, with less. Mm. So those are the four areas, and each one of those four areas, you'll find that uh, it, it's not just one unit. Many, a number of our businesses combined certain are, work a, together. are able to do certain things mm. together. It forces, once again, that one Ultron approach of ours. Mm. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. What fascinating discussion about Altron, about what's happening, how they're changing, how they're contributing to the just general technology, you know, industry in South Africa. And it really does make such a difference to have someone who is so passionate about his company, about changing things and bringing great value. I mean, smart, safe cities, medical health uh, platforms, just huge amount of stuff going on in South Africa that is of absolute world-class scale. So, um, follow Mteto Nyati. He is on Twitter, interestingly enough, as Mteto Nyati, and uh, he always has the most inspirational tweets. Not everyone follows Twitter anymore. We were just discussing it with Andrew here. Twitter seems to be a bit of an old person's game these days, but I find it useful for staying in touch because, boy, oh, boy, there's just so much tech news, so much news in the world. How do you consume it all, it's pretty much impossible. Fake news. Well, a lot of fake news, though Twitter's done a lot to clean it up. Anyway, I've just got a quick um, live read, and then they're going to kick us out the studio, and I need to give Andrew one minute to talk about VR and AR, because he's madly passionate about that. Hirsch Lion School is promoting an e and explore to win more competition. Okay. That will be starting today, Monday, the, well, it's not today, Monday the 6th of August to the 27th of September. And this will be a hunt for clues, pictures, and riddles over a seven-week period in different Jewish sponsor stores. Looking for more info, you need to go to the Hirsch Lions Facebook page. Um, that's on Facebook, by the by. Many prizes are up for grab. The Hirsch Lions explore to win more competition. The first week runs from 6th to the 10th of August. The clue is picture riddle will be at sponsor store pick and pay Norwood Mall. This is a terribly written thing anyway. Info counter, just ask for Teresa. She'll help you with everything. As well as two separate in-store competitions for Totally Kosher and Unilever. So see in-store, that's pick and pay hyper Norwood for all the details of this great competition. Now I'm being told to wrap up, but I have to. I made a commitment. Sorry, Craig. You're just <laughs> going to have to let this ride. So tell us about this, this Oculus thing you got here. I mean, we had VR in the studio last week or but this is the business as far as I'm concerned. So it's the Oculus Go that I got um, for my flight on the way to South Africa, the 18 hours that I had to sit there. It's basically my favorite <laughs> short thing. Short flights. Yeah, short flights. My favorite thing that I have to do is uh, watch movies. Uh, I usually watch Netflix. Uh, I downloaded some movies on there like Interstellar, Inception, very visually stimulating movies. And it's a, it's a great system. It's really not in your face when you're watching these movies on a movie screen, 180 inch, whatever they, the specu- specs are. But... It's a great, it's a great Actually, time. And, and you know, I never thought about this. It's a brilliant idea. You sit on a plane, you put on your VR headset, and instead of watching this tiny little thing, you're watching on this massive screen mm. in front of you. Yeah, and you know, you don't have to deal with the people next to you, you know, whatever it is. But um, it also has games. I love to show people, and I like to record what they do and how they react, scary stuff, and it's just a, it's a fun time. And I like trying to make it more of a mainstream, like media kind of. Brilliant. Well, we'll have to explore that. I'm now actually physically being kicked out of the studio. So that was tech talk for the for uh, this lovely Women's Day here on a chilly Johannesburg. Uh, morning, Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk. Tune in, stay tuned till next week. We'll try to bring you a little bit more Oculus Go because it's actually an, a very cool unit. It's standalone. You don't have all these fancy cables and it's pretty high quality. So really cool, except when you're sitting in the plane seat waving your arms around and knocking the person next to you. Might not be that cool, but. And thanks for having me on, Steve. Brilliant. Thanks Steven. for joining me. Steven, I'm a Steven. Mr. Ambrose. No, no, no. That's my father. Great <laughs> stuff. We're out of here. That was Tech Talk right here on High FM.